Welcome to episode 188 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined once again by Ryan Top and Paul Noonan. How are you guys doing uh, today? Kind of an interesting Brewers game on Sunday, to say the least. Yeah, it's been an up and down day. Uh, had a lot of lot, lot of good, but also um, a lot of uh, gross stuff in the house that I've had to clean up. So mm. uh, the joys of parenthood. Yeah, my Sunday was basically the microcosm of the Brewer game, except I think in my my Sunday lost, and the the Brewers won, so that's good. Nice. So so the seventh inning, uh, any bathroom issues are the, like the seventh inning just crapping all. That over is correct. Everything. That was that. Yeah. That the grand slam was um, essentially me having. <laughs> Clean up a bathroom and some carpet. So, good uh, times. Fun, Yeesh. Fun. Well, Ryan said he was about to have a stroke during the seventh inning today. So, I'm glad you made it with us. That That's good. They mm-hmm. held on. I held on. Made it a lot more interesting. And they scored 10 runs for the first time all year. So, there you go. Maybe... Uh, some some good with the bad but uh we'll get to that in a second but first a reminder you can help support us and the podcast by becoming a patron that's at patreon.com slash mke tailgate two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the podcast and for five bucks you get the minor league extra podcast with ryan and james anderson also get some of paul's reporting as eligible midi pods through the packers off season as well uh, so, like we said, another tough week for the Brewers. Uh, they dropped series to the Cardinals and the Braves. Really disappointing homestand, I think, overall. And just the offense is abysmal, I guess, outside of Sunday, right? So, uh, I mean, they were able to finally score 10 runs today, but they also nearly blew that 8 to nothing lead in the seventh inning. Uh, so they're, you know, rocky couple of weeks. They're just a game over 500 now. Uh, schedule looks at least a little bit more favorable in the next week, but who the hell knows really, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, the way things have been going. So I guess Sunday aside, Paul, I know you were saying this week, like this offense is just horrible to watch. So I guess so knowing, bad. knowing your distaste for last year's offense, is this year even worse? I think it is. Like, so it's not like the whole thing is worse because Omar has been great and he was bad last year, but I, I and you know, Colton Wong's, okay although even he's kind of disappointing from what we kind of expected he has a 706 ops which in a normal year would make him a struggling player but in this year he's a shining star among everybody <laughs> um but i think it is worse than last year because they've they've added some new people they've tried to fix some of those problems and yeah yellow has been out and he was a problem last year so um you know out and like last year are kind of the same thing but it, it's just really painful to watch everybody play in uh, that's the main thing. Like, I think we hoped at least they'd, they'd hit a few more bombs, get a little, kind of back to more watchable baseball. And it's just really painful to see them strike out over and over and over again and hit it at double plays when they do get people on and get thrown out. I, I haven't even checked their caught stealing, but it seems like they're always caught stealing. Um, I know that's <laughs> probably not true, but uh, it's uh, it's just so hard to watch. I, I hate watching. They're, today was fine, but uh, it's it's awful. They need to. They need to fix something. Juice the ball, like cork bat. <laughs> I don't ball. care. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see that David Stern said that they were not one of the teams that added the humidor? Yes. So we can yes, I did. toss out that yep. explanation. Yep. Blame yeah. that. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because yeah, at least then you'd know what to fix. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's just bad. I guess Ryan, it, what can they do? Or like, it, I mean, they've tried things, but obviously, it's just still really tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, it is tough to watch, but I will go and look at. So this is without today's numbers. 
Uh, Narvaez, obviously the 153 OPS plus, well above average offensive player. Really the only guy who's consistently been in there. Yelich is at a 137, but we've barely seen him this year because of the injury. Uh, Though, good news on that front, he did hit a home run in Nashville today. So he may not have a major league homer, but he has a a minor league homer to his name. But more importantly, he's played three straight days down there. So that was the big thing. They took it easy with him on Friday. They only had him play a few innings, get a couple at-bats, and then see how he came back on Saturday, and he played. And so he's playing on a daily basis, and I believe we were doing the math on this. believe he's eligible to come off this Friday. So mm-hmm. to open the series in Cincinnati, which would be great. And that would how tortured would Reds fans be about that? Because <laughs> he just murders right. them and all season he does nothing. And he comes back and like watch him hit like four home runs over the weekend and just crush the the hopes and spirits of Reds fans everywhere. Uh, wouldn't feel terribly bad about that. <laughs> no, so, not, at all. not at all. Like the only other regular that's any good is Avi and mm-hmm. That, I think he's kind of a testament to how bad the league is because I don't think any of us would say he's been particularly good. He's just not been atrocious. He has a 105 OPS plus entering today, and he had a pretty good day, so that's mm-hmm. higher. Um, but, like, th- that, he can't be your second best offensive player. That doesn't work. <laughs> he has to be, like, your sixth <laughs> best offensive player. Now, uh, it, I think I put this out there this weekend and said, if you went back to the summer of 2019 and you said, okay, in 2021 – who are going to be the best players carrying this offense? And you would have said, Yelich one, Hura two. And those guys have done almost nothing for them because of injury and complete ineffectiveness on Hura's part. So you're kind of at the point where this isn't totally unforeseeable from the perspective of if you had told me in 2019 and 2021, you would get over the first month almost nothing from Christian Yelich and Keston Hira, I would have said that's going to be a really bad team. And they're not a really bad team. They're just a really bad offense because the pitching has been stellar. So at least the starting rotation has been stellar. So they have that going for them, which is a positive, I suppose. You could take that away from it and say (laughs) this is good. True, But like the offense we know is largely built around Christian Yelich and then a bunch of guys. And we were hoping that uh, Hero was going to become the second person. It was going to be built around Yelich and Hero, right? We and in 2019, it looked like we were headed that direction, right? Yeah, right. But that's not where we're at at this moment. So it's nope. you know. But then again, <laughs> you look up and down the rest of the lineup, and this is without Sunday's game in it, and so a lot of these have probably gotten better. But Vogelbach had an 80 OPS plus, so 20 percent below league average. That's definitely bad. Not what you want to see. Um, Wong is 94 and I know he had at least a hit today, so he's probably a little bit better off than that. Orius is at 86 with a 212 batting average. Uh, we're going to talk more about him later. I, I know that we don't care about batting average because we're all good sabermetrics people, but so, so Yelich is hitting 353 and has barely played, and Omar's hitting 338 and he has played a lot. Can you, anybody tell me the next highest batting average of anybody on the team? Oh, God. I mean, I, I was looking at it. Oh, you are okay. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's it's got to be in like the two thirties, so, right? Not yeah. counting today because I don't have today because I had to get sortable. But coming into today, Avi Garcia's two fifty eight is the yeah. next highest batting average on the team, <laughs> tied with Pablo Reyes in a very small sample size. <laughs> like, can you ever remember a team where the third highest and really second because Yelich should barely count is two fifty eight? Like, 
there have been some bad, you know, early 2000s Brewers teams that had better offenses than that. That's really not good. Right. I mean, it is like it. It's e- easy to forget, though. It's not just the Brewers. Adrian Hauser has this, the, but like best the batting yeah. average on the team. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is bad. <laughs> if you look at it for guys having disaster seasons, though, actually, the list there is kind of short. It's Jackie Bradley Jr. and his 526 OPS, 44 yeah. OPS plus woof but he had another great catch today so we're getting (laughs) defensive ability from him and he's a notoriously slow starter so we shouldn't worry too much about that but then Hira obviously in his 513 42 OPS plus also really bad but beyond that you look up and down the lineup like Tyrone Taylor's got a 96 Lorenzo Cain an 86 uh Travis Shaw 88 Urias 86 these are not disastrous numbers they're they they aren't good but they're also not (laughs) <laughs> they're not like we're not looking at you know too many guys in like you know the the 40s and 50s here besides Cura and Jackie Bradley Jr. and got to get that fixed but mm-hmm. I think there's something to work here and remember what we said at the beginning of the season was we thought that this was largely an offense built around depth a lot of guys who weren't going to be terrible in the lineup and then hopefully Christian Yelich and Keston Hira and maybe another guy breaking out and being really good and helping propel you to an above average offense then. Well, they're not that far off of that standard at this point. They're just like a, a, like a, a notch below it kind of across the board. And yeah. right. we'll see if they can improve that. But it's not – this isn't like the most terrible disaster. I, a lot of this is the perception that people have based on their previous experiences with baseball. And – we have to just keep reminding ourselves the offensive environment in baseball this year is crap. Like it's, it's just horrible, but let's even not, yeah, let's not oversell yeah. it too much. Keep in mind a lot of those, a lot of those stats are adjusted for league average too. And so still right. track that, you know? Right. Um, and it, it's pretty bad. It's not like there's, you know, they're still very low in the league in offense. So they're not last. There are teams worse than them, which by the way, also just seems unfathomable that there's a bunch <laughs> of teams that, that are, in fact, harder to watch than the Brewers. It, it seems impossible, but is, in fact, the case. And quite a few of them. Um, right. Just ridiculous. But baseball is just, offense is trash this year. They should they should juice the ball midseason 100%. Absolutely. All right. And, like, it's important, too. Like, we're a month and a half in. There's still a long way to go. So I guess there's some room for improvement. But obviously, like, it's hard to be optimistic when we've watched what we've watched over the last two and a half weeks or so. Um, but I guess, you know, Paul, with Narvaez back now, Yelich maybe back this weekend. Is there maybe a chance things are looking up? Are you optimistic at all that helps? Or are you just kind of settled oh. on this is who they are? I mean, getting Yelich back is huge because he has been hitting down in the minors. So that's good. Um, he has played enough to, to indicate that he is healthy. And yeah, he's like a real bat. They need they need those. One of the good things about this is anytime you get a real bat, you're replacing one of the worst players in baseball. <laughs> so you get a you get a huge upgrade. So that's good. And it's not like they're out of the race or anything. So it's fine. They really just need health and like four good guys, and then their scrubs not to be the worst players in the game, and they'll be okay. But there's reasons to look up. It's just. It's hard to see it when you go through this kind of stretch. And it's not even an unprecedented stretch. The Brewers have gone through these. I mean, all of last year was this stretch. <laughs> um, so it, it happens, and they'll, they'll be good for stretches. But, um, I mean, uh, part of me struggles with this because I still think they have a decent shot to win the division. 
it's mm-hmm. just it seems like it might be kind of a slog to win the division and i would like them to be uh, winners who are also entertaining so um yeah, getting guys back helps make them entertaining it will also help them win so yeah there's hope and we shouldn't be totally despondent about them because they're actually kind of good <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I just want them to be good in a different way, but this will help. It'll make them better. It'll make them easier to watch. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I snuck this in at the last second cause it's bugging me, but everybody wants to fire Andy Haynes. Can we talk <laughs> about why that won't fix a damn thing? Um, so I-, I can go on my rant first. Uh, this is an organizational philosophy problem. If you think it's a problem, right? Like, the hitting coach is not like the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator in football. They are not calling the shots. They are a hitting coach is instructing what the organization wants the players to do. Right. So obviously like he's there because he's doing something David Stearns and company wants them to teach. And if they fired him, they would just replace him with another guy doing the same thing. Am I crazy here? Like hitting coaches do not matter. Right. I mean, I think on an individual level (laughs) to an individual player, they can matter. But in the grand scheme, they're extremely overrated. And it's one of those things where it's like they're hired to be fired. And I think that that's still fairly true with hitting coaches. I think it's much less true than it used to be with pitching coaches. I think that's that has turned into a thing. And pitching coaches really do a lot of things now in terms of game planning, working on guys, developing stuff and really getting their their hands in there i think hitting coaches it's still more about meeting the guy where he is and trying to figure out what is going to work for this particular guy and it's less of a a one-size-fits-all approach i guess uh it's i i agree completely with you that firing andy haynes probably isn't the thing unless the players have stopped listening to him and are not like taking suggestions and they're not if that relationship breaks down with the players then it's a problem but from what we've heard from lorenzo kane and help me out were there other players that have said things i know lorenzo kane has I mean, been very outspoken about it yeah i mean there are there are a bunch and like you know he he did individual workouts with christian yelich and omar narvaez and everybody in the off right. season too so like he is doing that, the meeting the players where they are kind of thing and, and working with them individually. So, yeah, it, it's just the fire Andy Haynes talk. It's not going to do a damn thing to fix this. Right, Paul? It won't. Um, uh, so it, I, I view this sort of like the, the running back in football problem. Like, how much do you think Andy Haynes has to do with how well these guys are performing based on their underlying talent? Like, for one thing, Omar Nervaez, who was just atrocious last year and not hitting the ball hard is now really, really good and hitting the ball hard all the time. Are you going to give him credit for that? And are you going to blame him for Dan Vogelbach kind of sucking? Because I have I have news for you. Um, Dan Vogelbach sucks. And no hitting coach has been able to make him hit because he's just not very good. Except Andy Haynes last year. Yes, briefly last year, fine. But, right. I, I was, but that's the that's the thing. Buried like... in all this is sample sizes and other crap. And <laughs> maybe Keston Hira has not flourished under his tutelage, but... Um, I think most of Keston Hero's problems are baked in from when he was in the minors. And, um, you know, prospects have different hitting coaches for most of their career up to when they get to the majors. And, you know, if they want to change anything, sometimes they break things down at the major league level. Usually not. Um, you know, usually you're just tweaking at that point. So, um, no, it, it's probably not his fault. Maybe it's a little bit his fault. But when a team goes into an organization-wide offensive funk, 
it's usually not the hitting coach. It's usually that you have a bunch of bad players hitting the ball. And that's the problem here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just get kind of irritated with, with that talk, but I just get irritated in general when you have the football mentality in a baseball season. So I'll just do my best to keep scrolling and yeah. not let it bug me. Right. Even, <laughs> even if he's, even if he's, even if he's a bad hitting coach, his impact is probably extremely tiny to the extent that you can't pick up on it. Right. Exactly. So I'll give you credit, James, because I think in the year and a quarter or whatever that you've been co-hosting this podcast with us, I think that's the first time you've aired grievances about something you read online. Yeah, I see. I try to do a better job of just like, <laughs> you know, you do not need to respond to everything that makes you mad on the Internet. No, it's not good for you. Don't PSA for everybody over the last, oh, I don't know, five years. Just don't mm-hmm. like you don't have to respond. When when simple. I'm locked into my phone uh, for too long yeah. and my wife can't get my attention, she'll be like, the people on the internet will be wrong later when you get back to them. So you can get they back will. to them <laughs> and take care of that later. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, I guess one more uh, thing on, on the struggling offense is actually a Patreon question. Our first of the week comes from Stephen Path. He is asking, which team is more frustrating? The 2009 Brewers, which was all offense, no pitching, or this year's Brewers, all pitching, no offense. So I guess... Paul, you were kind of talking about wanting them to be good in a different way. What's so, your pick here? This is this, mo- this is more frustrating because pitching. Well, I, I like pitching as much as the next person. Um, if you don't forget ahead, if you never score any runs, um, it's it's infuriating and it just is a waste. And I would rather be hitting bombs and giving up bombs. That's fun. Get back and forth games are fun. Yes, it sucks to lose that way too, but it's just much more entertaining. Like that. That's that's the way I. Uh, give, give me Prince and, and honestly, I miss uh, fat brewers who can't play defense at all. Um, I, <laughs> well, you got big Dan. Juan Francisco. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But he can't Juan Francisco hit. days. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. uh, give me Prince. Give me Ryan Braun who doesn't care about defense at all. Um, He's just regular. Yeah. Give, yeah. Give me those guys. They're fun. I don't. This is Ricky Weeks. Even you know he's he's a bit of a a big dude playing second base. He can barely play the position defensively, but rakes. Uh, I want that team back. They're they're much better. <laughs> so I'm going to go the complete other direction from Paul here, All right? And say that I would much rather have this because sitting and watching your pitchers. I think you've forgotten how bad that is when you watch your pitchers day after day after day just not be able to get anybody out, and you're looking at all the offense and you're like. All we'd have to do is like stop these guys from being like just terrible, like make them just kind <laughs> of bad, and we would we'd be in great shape. But no, you you can't you do that. Me, you give me counsel with this pitching staff, and they would have m- gone to the playoffs. That's the thing. Hmm. Like, there's weapons. So Braden Looper, he he's bad, <laughs> but he went fourteen and seven, and he's a rookie. And you can you can adjust for that once you understand his rookiness. You know, you don't have to throw Jeff Supon out there for 160 innings. You can short, you can shorten that up, and and you can bullpen a little bit. So, are you saying Ken Maka wasn't a great manager of for a pitching staff? Yeah, I am saying that. <laughs> that is correct. There are some like, very angry people right now if they're listening. I know who they are. Trevor Hoffman had a <laughs> Trevor Hoffman had a 1.83 ERA. You can work with that. Todd Coffey 2.9 in a in a better offensive era. Uh, Defelis and Stetter were both well under four. Like. That there are the makings of a decent pitching staff here if they're being run in a modern fashion. 
but nobody yeah. was really being run in a modern fashion nope, in 2009. No, nobody no. was. No. But it's, it's like you can't make people hit better, and you can make people pitch better. So give me this team. <laughs> Man. Oh, Mark Felice, Remember him? Yeah. Big Not fan. Bad. He'd be ballered these days with that cutter. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm still bitter about that July 4th game <laughs> where he got called for a what should have been the game ending strikeout. Instead, it was ball four and they lost. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. made me mad. That- as it mm. should. It's it's been ten years, Ryan. I think we can move on. But I hold grudges uh, against umpires, James. Yeah, no, I've I've noticed. <laughs> and Bo Borowski. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on. We do have some more Patreon questions. Uh, PJ Wessels uh, had a question earlier in the week about Albert Pujols adding him to the Brewers, but obviously that's not going to happen now. But he does have another question. He's saying, do we see Hernan Perez or Keston Hira in the Brewers lineup first? <laughs> Ryan, what's, oh, what are your goodness thoughts? Goodness gracious. God, I hope it's Keston Hira. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be Keston Hira. I don't think we're going to have to wait that long. He does have uh, four doubles. in. He had four doubles in his first two games. So... He's at least stinging the ball a little bit. Whether that holds to the major leagues, way too early to tell, but it's at least something. And I do think, based on what Craig Council said, they want to bring him back relatively quick. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be here, too, mostly because Hernan's not any good. (laughs) So the the way you might get him is through the need for some middle infield something <laughs> right mm-hmm. maybe defense maybe also offense so it's not impossible but i i'll they did say when they sent here down it wouldn't be for that long i think i still think there's a decent chance it's longer than they think because he is such a mess but i also think because of his upside and he has been hitting a little bit so far that he'll probably be up quicker than than i anticipated at first so i'll, I'll still go with here I kind of hope it's Hernan, uh, mostly not just <laughs> no. for Steve, but also uh, like I, I I can't watch Pablo Reyes anymore. So like if you're going to have somebody suck play third base, why not just have Hernan Perez? Do Did that? you see him charge that ball on Sunday, though? I did not. And make, no. Oh, yeah. Pablo I Reyes mean, sucks. he made an incredible charging play. Just saying, <laughs> just saying it was an amazing play. <laughs> The only time Paulo Reyes has been good in the majors, he was on horse steroids. So no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think he's any good. Very nice, by the Speaking way. Speaking of which, yeah. Medina Spirit didn't really do very well on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the the trainer's pee, I guess, and the thing, uh, whatever. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of conspiracies, uh, we've got Jay Google with the conspiracy corner special. Do you think the new AmFam sign in center field has limited the home runs to dead center? A lot of high velo balls just going nowhere. So what's the theory here that it's like a black hole? Yeah, that is maybe, I don't know, blocking the wind or something. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, So uh, Curse of AmFam, do we buy it, Ryan? No, I need to hear more about this, though. I I think maybe <laughs> I haven't been reading my direct messages with uh, Jay close enough. Because I know he's been talking about this. So I, yep. I, I'm not exactly sure what the, the story is here. But, like, are we talking, like, bad juju here? Like, it's it's uh, a, a force of evil? Or know. is there actually, like, some sort of physical reason that this would be a problem? I do know that that sign looks amazing. Like say what you want about the name, <laughs> but the the signage for the the uh for the park now is really good. It is a good, it is a very handsome sign. It's a handsome sign. It's a handsome sign. All right. 
Uh, maybe, enough. maybe it's Bernie's new chalet. Maybe that could be the reason why uh, balls just die in the outfield. Oh, Although it's curious that it, it's only really the Brewers who can't seem to hit home runs at Miller Park. Yes, you can't really blame the stadium here. It's okay for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so next Patreon question comes from Philip Schumacher. We've discussed how Council is willing to punt on games sooner than many managers. Could this make the predictability of Pythagorean? If a subset of teams punt sooner and more often than other teams, uh, if so, how would you consider adjusting the formula? So I guess he's saying, like, look at the the Pythag records. Could you kind of eyeball who's punting games? And I, I don't know. I guess, Paul, how do you separate who's punting and who's just really bad? So it's definitely a mess for Pythagorean purposes. And um, so part of it is how much do you believe this? Um you know, is punting games actually impacting it that much that it loses its predictability compared to um, just normal wins and losses or not? And I, I think with the Brewers, it's legit true. Like the fact that they give up on games does hurt their Pythagorean. And I'm not I'm not really sure the best way to adjust for it. I can tell you a concept I, I would look at, which is um, when we do giving out credit in football on bombs to receivers, we cut off credit for yardage after about 40 yards, I think it is. So if you catch a 70-yard bomb, the last 30 are basically not credited to you because you were you know, just in the open and it's kind of the same for everybody at that point. You're just going to go score a touchdown. So uh, maybe just cap blowouts at a certain level i'm not really sure if that's a good idea or not uh, pythagorean is not even a real stat anyway no it's meant no. to be predictive and if you're futzing with it to make it more predictive maybe you should just find a different way to be predictive and there's other kinds of um ways of doing more accurate pythagoreans based on game states and things like that um and i i'm sorry i can't point them to you off the top of my head but i know they exist and that's probably the better way to go if you really care about such things and we do know that over the last few years, uh, this goes back at least three, four years now, I think to kind of the beginning of Craig Council's tenure, uh, people have noticed that Pythagorean is less predictive than yep. it used to be. So I think managers have gotten wise. This is not just Council. Other managers have gotten wise to this too. And they're more willing to just punt games earlier when they know what the the ultimate outcome is almost certain to be they're just willing to to save their staff in a way that managers just culturally, I guess, previously weren't willing to. Sure. Yep. And I think I think something that maybe consider with that, too, is, you know, Pythag has always kind of hated teams that uh, win a lot of close games and rely on bullpens, too. And I think like the bullpenization of baseball over the last couple of years, too, maybe that yeah. kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. A lot of teams winning a lot more one and run one or two run games and punting yeah. the others, you know, by the like, way, just, just to come back to this real quick, you could make a decent pitching staff out of the 2009, um, <laughs> shorting it up with the exception of Jeff Supon, who, um, was okay. The first time through the order, he allowed a seven, seven ninety two OPS, but the second time through the order, he allowed a nine seventy OPS, um, yeah. which isn't really workable for a starting pitcher. So <laughs> everybody who hates Jeff Supon, myself included, yeah, that's just not something you can you can use. Everybody else, though, not bad um, until the third time through the order. So yeah, the council would have made that team good. It's true. He basically should have been a middle reliever. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. or or not a major league player. Either way. <laughs> I was I was gonna say multi inning reliever, but uh, yeah, we could go off the roster too. That's probably <laughs> fair. All right. 
Um, but, but, next, oh, oh, real sorry. quick, the, yeah, the other go, problem. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The, it's the other the thing, Devin Aroma should do a portion of this, this podcast. The, the other, the other thing I did want to point out is you would have had to use Manny Parra differently, I think. But Manny Parra ha- has a backward times through the order splits. Yeah, he did. He he, he was a nine thirteen the first time through and a seven ninety three the third time through. So that guy was weird. But yeah, anyway, man, there's, there's enough to work with. Giovanni was good um, in that way. Braden Looper was fine. You could work with that. Um, you, you you could get there with McClung and teaming some guys up. It, it would have worked. You could have done it. Yeah, Manny Parra will, will forever break my heart. I was so convinced Damn. he was. I was thought he was going to be so good, and he wasn't. It's a uh, flat fastball in uh, 2009. Did not do yep. you any favors. No, it really didn't. Really unfortunate. All right. Uh, so our next Patreon question is a fun one, and I know we spent a little time trying to dig up some answers for this uh, before he officially started this podcast. Adam Post asking, thus far in the David Stearns era, what have been his three best and three worst trades? So there's definitely plenty to choose from. I know there's probably a lot of, you know, there's probably one or two clear answers for probably each. But uh, Ryan, who do you have? Let's just go three best trades first. Yeah, I mean, are we in agreement that the Yelich trade is the best? Do we even have to really I mean, yeah, we this? can. Yes, we, we can are. check that one off. Yeah, that's that's a good one. OK, I think for the second one. It's a little bit difficult. I think give me the Thornburg to get back Travis Sean Mauricio Dubon. There were some more pieces in that, but that was the, the prime pieces there. And mm-hmm. Dubon became important to flip later. That got them Drew Pomerantz and Ray Black. And Travis Shaw had two very good seasons with the Brewers before they had to let him go. But then when they did that, uh, they uh, ended up getting him back anyway. So, and and now he's doing decently. So I think that that one to me stands out as a pretty good one. Do you have a different number two, Paul? Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, It's kind of still the the word, the, the grades are still out, but the Omar trade, not, not, Mm -hmm. not looking too bad at the current moment. Um, for number two, so um, that was uh, Omar Novais for Adam Hill and a mm-hmm. and a pick, but not yep. bad. And he, if he t- actually keeps this up, he'll be like a five win player. So <laughs> hard to argue with that. I think the other Absolutely. one that I was thinking too. Were were you gonna say that one, James? No, no, oh. go for it. Oh yeah. So the Adam Lind uh, for Freddie Peralta and two other yeah. guys who haven't amounted That's to anything. One. That's a fantastic yeah. trade, obviously. Yep. Adam Lind was basically washed at that point, and uh, the Brewers got a very, very good young starter out of it. So, um, other other ones on here. We were talking about Manny Pena, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Good. Paul's a fan of any time the Brewers trade away Francisco Rodriguez. So that, I, my, that's a good one, one of my nominations was all trades away of Francisco Rodriguez. Just <laughs> he, I don't like him, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. I think that might be the only Stearns. Francisco Rodriguez trade. But yeah, it was. it's the best one anyway. So who cares? I think Manny Pena was the first trade he made. I think uh, that's right. Javier Betancourt. Javier yeah. Betancourt. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I know we talked about this too, but the um, Jonathan Lucroy and Jeffress trade to Texas brought back Lewis Brinson. Yep. Obviously, very important for the Christian Yelich trade. They also got Luis Ortiz who was used in a, another trade that did not go so well that maybe we'll bring up in a couple minutes here. Uh, and Ryan Cordell, who they actually, I think, d- did they trade Cordell? Was that for Soria or one of the... Swarzak. No, sorry, Swarzak, Swarzak. Which that one ended up being 
okay too. So also, obviously, uh, yeah. yeah. Honorable mention for the the Mike Mustakis trade, I think too. Uh, that ended up being pretty solid, especially because it was it was such a creative thing to do, and it was taking a chance that ended up just working out great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, obviously, Mike. yeah, gave up Brett Phillips in that trade, which was probably the the dice rule, right? But. Uh, maybe they saw something that convinced them he wasn't going to hit, and yep. he hasn't hit. And, and uh, also, go. also Jorge Lopez, who I once saw play with Clint Coulter, and we know <laughs> we, we know the rule from previous podcasts. So yes, if if you played with Clint Coulter, you're bad. You're bad. Yes. Okay. There you go. Um, I I don't know if I would put this one, and this is a another interesting one. I don't know how to classify this one. It, it might just be one of those really interesting ones. But do you remember? The trade of Gene Segura to Arizona. They got Chase Anderson back. They got Aaron Hill back. They got Isan Diaz back, oh, all right. uh, which again was used to trade for Christian Yelich. Uh, that was Gene Segura and Tyler Wagner going back to Arizona. Obviously, Segura kind of turned things around after leaving Milwaukee, so maybe that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But those are a lot of good pieces to get back too. Huh? Yeah, I had forgotten about that. And Chase Anderson was an important part of that uh, the 2017 team that yeah. made a run. I think that trade's just fair. Like that's yeah. just a trade it's where the, the re- weird ones were like, yeah, it just worked out for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh let's go bad trades then. Um Ryan, what's what's your number one worst trade for David Stearns? This is hard because it's still early in this one, but I think yeah. it, it's trending the Urias for Grisham trade you know it's not looking with, it's not looking great yeah davies <laughs> lauer it, it, it's not looking great i think there's still a ways to go on this and i i think that we will see better things down the road from urius but we'll get into that in a few minutes paul your your bad one is that the top one for you as well that's the top one uh i'm not sure there's any any that are close to that I, I, we mentioned the the jonathan scope trade earlier yeah i think that's 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 your number two here yeah um, i would say i mean will smith for uh uh when they traded will smith out they got back bickford bickford susack and susack yeah yeah that's that's not a great trade considering will smith was a really good relief pitcher at that point i think they were trading two years of control of him yeah, or a year they, and a half of control. Anyway. That was always one that felt like they should have gotten more. But uh, was he also hurt that year? Was I, that pre Tommy John or post? I don't no, remember. that was pre Tommy John. I think the the issue was is that we traded for Bickford with a big down arrow and Susac with a big down arrow and thought we could turn them around. And that obviously, did, you know, Susac's long gone. Bickford's still kicking around, but at this point, mm-hmm. he's been you know. He could have it's been not, off the roster any number of times. Yeah. Uh, another one that we should probably mention here is the uh, Jacob Nottingham. Even though I still think Jacob Nottingham is going to have a big league career, I think you at this point with what Oakland got out of Chris Davis. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And Bubba Derby has been, you know, he's been a guy in the minor leagues. Like he's he's been a, a filler guy, <laughs> but hasn't really turned in anything. So yeah. I think that one stands out. I got an honorable mention for this one too. Um, the the Brad Miller for G Man Choi trade. I just trade saw that one. Yeah. I love G Man Choi. Um, is not he's not great, but he is a very Milwaukee player, um, and he has posted an OPS plus above 100. I think every season he's been in the majors, except for his first. Um, and 
he is a big fun guy at first base. So it's a shame that he never got to play for Milwaukee. And the Brewers didn't even get good Brad Miller. And Brad Miller like, sucks. Like it, let's not. He sucked, and then he went away to like freaking St. Louis and became good. Yeah, let's let's talk about what Brad Miller's done since then. <laughs> uh, in 2019, he put up a 126 OPS plus. In 2020, a 122 OPS plus, and in 2021, a 119 OPS plus. See, that's very annoying. Yeah. The Brewers got the yeah. down year on him in 2018. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as like other honor roll mentions, I'll uh, give Brad a shout out. Just the Alex Claudio for a draft pick. I know how much <laughs> that always irritated him, but mostly <laughs> because like draft picks are fun and Alex Claudio was not fun to watch. So, yeah, I mean, that ended up being like a wash. I don't think you can actually call it a bad trade, but yeah. yeah. But Alex Claudio did have the butt wiggle, so. He did. He did. He did. Um, honorable mention too, I guess for a good one. How about getting Keon Broxton and Trey Shupak from the Pirates for Jason Rogers back in the day? Mm-hmm. That was one of his first. That's pretty good. That was one of his first moves too, and really kind of helped rebuild. And then, of course, uh, Shupak and going back to the Pirates. But there you go. Uh, so this is a fun topic. Uh, definitely a lot to work with too, with how frequently the Brewers have traded. Uh, but yeah, the the early returns on the Trent Grisham trade not looking fantastic and yeah that that one might be one that they regret but obviously still early to see too um i guess kind of on the topic of luis urias too uh, our next patreon question comes from jesse uh gannigan he says after being thoroughly whelmed i don't know if that's a typo or just <laughs> very well not over or under just kind of meh yes on uh orlando rc and alcides escobar I've officially sworn off the defense first light hitting shortstop prospect. I have no interest in it. Uh, so I guess maybe just wound. Uh, apologies to Luis Urias. Is there a prospect archetype that you just can't get excited about or have some sort of irrational bias against? Ryan, prospect guy, what's your least favorite, I guess, type of prospect? Uh, corner prospects, like a corner outfield prospect who doesn't have any power. Hmm. Because there's just there's like almost no upside there when you have a guy who's not going to hit for power, but he's limited, can't play center field, and he's going to be a corner outfielder. Like, what's the point? So sure. that would be the one. <laughs> also, I want to quibble here with Jesse. Sorry, Jesse, but Luis Arias, <laughs> that's not his profile. I mean, he's not a good defensive yeah, he's a butcher on defense. Come on, get your we'll, we'll we'll get there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like. Like he was supposed to be, and I still think is going to be a better hitter. <laughs> like he is yeah. going to, there is hitting skill there that is untapped that I think we are going to see. But he was never supposed to be like a glove first uh, guy. That was never, that was never the profile. I'm kind of seeing why everybody thought he'd end up at second base, right? Yes, like, yes, we yeah. are. Yeah. So he has right, the Paul, tools to play shortstop. Yeah, yeah, he does. It's just some people can't pick it up for whatever reason quite literally yeah. uh paul <laughs> least favorite uh prospect type i guess i, I just don't like anybody with no power i'm not a really big prospect guy but um i know that you can make it in the, the league with a good hit tool um with a good defense i just want power on every position so i, I hate anybody who doesn't have it that's all Easy, i gotta easy. remember to ask james anderson this question too on the next minor league extra yeah yeah that'd be a good one to keep too jesse when uh, i but... throw out a call for questions i probably won't remember that i said this so if you can just uh send that in that'd be great thank you yeah 
yeah. I guess I also hate short catchers. Um, and it's just, it's just from Angel Salome being a prospect, really. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there's Angel. Name. Yeah, man. Speaking the, the was it the 2008 Huntsville Stars or I forget the mm-hmm. year, but man, it, it was the 2008 Huntsville Stars. I, I believe Baseball Prospectus in a comment once described him as a bowling ball of a catcher, and so that's a prospect type that I hate. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Uh, while we're trashing Luis Arias, let's switch to Twitter questions. <laughs> a reminder, we can also uh, take your questions on Twitter. The Twitter account is at MKETailgate. Uh, just reply to that tweet, calling for questions every single week. Uh, we'll try to get them in when we can. We've got one from Jamie Wonders asking, how worried are you about Luis Arias' defense? His outs above average looking quite dreadful, especially on plays to his right. So, Ryan, you started the Luis Urias defense hate. Thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's hard coming off of what we saw on Sunday to because it was brutal. He made multiple just absolutely brutal misplays on Sunday. And we had that other game. Now, fortunately, they won both of these games. <laughs> so that's a positive. But he had another game where he just absolutely lost it and could not seemed to complete a throw to save his life and he had what three errors in that game so i don't know how much of that's weighing on the overall numbers at this point but yeah the the fielding runs above average the the baseball perspective stat they have him at almost negative two runs at this point which is not good at this point in the season though it's also small sample and you have to take these things with a very large grain of salt but yeah (laughs) stat cast also Tells a, a bad story here that uh, he is not good. He's negative four outs above average and also bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess... we, should, we should be really worried um, yeah. because he didn't really profile as a shortstop necessarily in the first place. And um, his defense, I think, the idea with it has always been you can get by with him there if he hits. Uh, and if he doesn't, that's the problem with him is he's not hitting. Uh, is is bats not carrying shortstop and he's not a good shortstop so if he doesn't start hitting this is a problem because his bats not going to carry second base either so it's it's early and he might get better and he's not usually a total butcher out there he's been a couple of high profile games but if he doesn't hit none of this matters uh, because his defense isn't good enough to carry a bad bat yeah is this is it too early to say it's a case of like careful what you wish for with the brewers and shortstop that they seem like so ready to move on from Arcia, and now this is kind of what they've got? Like, no, because Arcia sucks, too, and I don't care okay. what he's doing down in the minors right now. No, you don't matter. care about his seven home runs in 12 games? And I, in One Gwinnett. thing I trust Orlando Arcia to do is pound the crap out of AAA pitching because <laughs> it, he gets down there, he's a big man, he's better than everybody else, he'll show off the, the guns and power some balls out, and then he'll come back up to the majors where pitchers are smart and he's an idiot and he'll get fooled. <laughs> Over and over and over and over again, and frustrate you, and he'll hit ten bombs with an eight-run lead, and nobody will, um, you know, and end up back in the minors when he butchers a bunch of balls at shortstop. So that's Orlando Arcia. Don't care about AAA stats with him; they don't matter. So looking at him, I know the question here was odd defensive, but looking at the offensive profile a little bit on him, you know, he has an eleven point four percent walk percentage this year. That's good. Twenty six point five. Uh, K percentage it's not good but it's also not in this day and age that's not terrible Uh, a 159 ISO that's great for what I expected out of him I wasn't expecting him to hit for much power he's giving you more power than what I think they were expecting 
And really all this comes down to he has a 263 BABIP and given his speed and his general ability, you would think that would be higher. And it has been in the past last year, he had a 338. So I think that we're seeing him underperform offensively. His his issues right now are largely built around the fact that he has a 212 batting average. If you add 50 points to that and then add 50 points to the others along with it, it's a much more appetizing sure. look. I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. like also take take a shitty line and add 50 points across it and it's like yeah, shitty, it's I guess. Great. It's like <laughs> so also let's not let's not undersell the strikeout rate with him. He's supposed to be a, a very good contact hitter. That's true. And that 80 rate, hit tool, right, Ryan? Yeah. That was guy. that was the, what they were saying, yeah. <laughs> and that strikeout rate is too high for that. He has 30 well, he entered the game with 35 strike. No, he has 35 strikeouts right now. That's fourth on the team. That guy should not be fourth on the team in strikeouts. If he's going to be a good offensive player, he should be like eighth on the team in strikeouts. And so that is a problem that is compounding um, all of the other problems that he has. Yeah. I mean, the issue last year, he had a 055 ISO. So almost giving you nothing in terms of extra base power. 159 this year, he is giving you a, a solid amount of extra base power. So. And you're getting walks out of him. You're getting walks and you're getting power. You're just not getting the average. But again, <laughs> the BABIP is bad. So, yeah. All right. I guess uh, skipping on to another Twitter question. Speaking of guys, you're not getting anything out of. Uh, McNam003 asking, are we going to be stuck with JBJ next year? I think that's a little harsh. Yeah. Uh, but obviously he's not hitting right now. I guess, Paul, are you? do you think he ends up picking up that option next year at this rate i have no idea i can't so i think he'll end up looking a lot better stat wise by the end of the season although who knows no, since nobody on the team can hit why why would we think he can but he is <laughs> he is a valuable defensive player and you kind of do need somebody along the, those lines to step in when kane does get hurt so even if they don't have bradley they need somebody kind of like him uh, and i don't know who else that's going to be so i think they'll pick it up because i think that they need to back him up um and i know he's it's not going to be this bad all se- i mean maybe it will be this bad all season famous last words but probably not historically he's not this bad a hitter he's he's not a great hitter but he's okay he's also a career 610 hitter in or sorry 610 yeah, we, ops in we have april ramirez disease here a little bit that is mm-hmm. also true yeah there it is definitely a factor and it it's not like uh, May has been better for him in his career, but it hasn't been great. Yeah. He really starts to get going in the summer. Indeed. By the way, really quick for everybody who loves Dan Vogelbach, uh, Louis Urias has a higher slugging percentage than Dan Vogelbach. Don't, why are you doing this to me, Paul? <laughs> why? <laughs> I already because... know Albert Pools was like slugging better than uh, Dan for a while. There, so like, I'm, come on. I'm fine with Dan on the team. I, I just, I th- this is becoming a problem a little bit with the fan base, where it's like, oh, we love Big Dan, we hate all these other guys who are definitely better than he is. <laughs> so I do want to point out that Dan all right, does fair. in fact yeah. suck. And yeah, you like a big burly guy at first base, but he actually is quite bad. So yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you for that. Sure. No um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, kind of wrap things up with one last Twitter question. We've got Steve, who's uh, not not the the, not, the not suck it, Steve. Steve. Yeah. This is uh, Macaroni Two O Seven Steve. So <laughs> great, great, uh, great uh, Twitter handle. Uh, and this one is uh, yes. Hi. My question is: 
labor relations? Question mark, Paul. They're bad. That's the okay. Answer. Cool. Yeah. yeah, they're boring to talk about. They're bad for the sport, and uh, we're all sick of it. Even though we have to talk about it once in a while. So yeah, that's what you get for labor relations. Yeah, can't wait to uh, watch a year full of like strikeouts and terrible offense, and then talk about how we miss baseball <laughs> uh, when they go on strike next year. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and, and I'll be sitting here like, do you really? Because you remember how much we complained about this year? Yeah. Uh, still not looking great at the at the uh, end of the road there. No, nope, so, it's not. Yeah. yeah. You know what I do want to say? I pointed this out on Twitter today. I I don't know what inning it was. If you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, B.A. and Rock had a very good discussion on the broadcast about some of the problems with the game right now in terms of the three true outcomes, guys just not making contact, so the ball's not in play, so there's not action on the field and all of that. And they did it in such a way that it wasn't like they were angry old men complaining about how the game used to be better, (laughs) but having an intelligent discussion about what could legitimately be better. And it it contrasted so nicely, and I pointed this out, with what you hear from Smoltz and A-Rod every freaking broadcast that they're on. It's possible to talk about this stuff in an intelligent, reasonable way. If you listen to Effectively Wild, you know it's possible to talk about it because they do it all the time. Um, So just, you know, kudos to them for that, for for bringing that discussion in such a way that didn't make me want to just, like, throw things at my TV, which... It's very easy to fall into that sort of trap. It's very, very easy to do it. And right. Smoltz and A-Rod do it all the time. So there you go. Congratulations and kudos to, to BA and to Rock for not making me want to wreck my TV that I spent a lot of time mounting in my garage. <laughs> I mean, that's why they're one of the better broadcast teams, right? And like credit to Bill Shorter, especially too. You know, he used to be maybe mm-hmm. considered one of the grumpy old guys, but he's really come around. And I think he's kind of embraced and at least tried to figure out what the Brewers are doing or why they're doing it. And I think yep. that's kind of helped shape his perceptions, right? And I think that's an important lesson in evolution of understanding. So, absolutely. All I ask is that broadcasters do a basic amount of research to understand what the trends are in the modern game. And Rock did that. So very much, you know, he deserves all all the kudos for that because a ton of guys don't and are boring old men who whine all the time. And if we're throwing out kudos for this, we should also give a shout out to to Tom Hodricourt for that because he did the exact same thing. That's true. Remember how he used to be just absolutely opposed to any new idea thing. And he let that go. It seemed to really switch for him. I, I'm sure there was an evolution before this, but I really noticed it around the time David Stearns came in. And it was like, well, now you have to cover this. And as a reporter, because this was always Keith Law's thing, was if you're going to cover the game as a reporter, you should probably understand who the people that are running the game, how they're viewing right. it. Even if you don't Absolutely. agree with them, you need to at least understand what they're thinking, what they're doing. Otherwise, you, you're just not a good reporter. And Running this in football all the time with oh. still grumpy old men all the time. And uh, it's like if you're me, it's hard because you'll run into writers who are, you know, been covering the game for, you know, 30 years and like, well, you know less about football than me now. So <laughs> um, maybe you shouldn't be writing about it anymore or, you know, something else. <laughs> or just so, show some dedication to your craft. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 
All right. Oh, well, that's a cheery thing to, to wrap up on, I guess, this week. But uh, yeah, definitely kudos all around. And uh, reminder, you do get question priority here on the podcast if you become a patron. So we got a couple more patrons to shout out because we do that as well. And we actually got a question for, uh, I, I guess, the first one. Right, uh, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, welcome to Steve Faff. Stephen Faff, sorry. And uh, to Mike Manning, who also joined yeah. up this week. So that's like seven new patrons in or eight new patrons in two weeks quite the uh quite the run we're on right now so if you'd like to join them and get access to all (laughs) this wonderful content including the entire backlog of minor league extras going all the way back to the uh to the the jp and ryan days way back when yeah yeah it's all there jp was wrong about all archived. If you want to hear my my Rick and Morty parody, it's all archived there for you. <laughs> it took me about thirty seconds to figure out what the hell was going on with that, Paul, and then I just started <laughs> cracking up. I'm like, wait, what is what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we joked about this. Maybe we need to create another patron level for Paul's parody album uh, when that <laughs> oh, drops. We, because... So I, yeah, that that's. That's a ways off. We got to get moved and stuff first, but yes, we'll, <laughs> we will have a we will have a some tears for making Paul sing songs at some point. That'll that'll definitely happen. <laughs> there we go. All I've right, I've got a bunch written, so I might as well sing them. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, you may I'm, as well. Just just, just to, I am uh, I'm not a good singer, and saying that I will sing songs is not meant to imply that I am one. It's meant to imply <laughs> that I will embarrass myself for money. So. Just, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I, I think we can all say the same thing. So, yeah, please, please do sign up and we'll continue embarrassing ourselves every single week here on Milwaukee's tailgate. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else yeah. you listen to podcasts. Please do hit that subscribe button while you're there. Leave us a review. Help other people find us. Sign up to become a patron, and we'll keep doing stupid things for money. That's right. Uh, <laughs> By the way, the album will be called Why Isn't JR Doing This? Because JR, <laughs> you may not know this, but JR is an excellent singer. And uh, <laughs> if anybody was going to do that, it should be him. So that's what, that's what it'll be called. Uh, maybe we can like bribe him into uh, doing a cover for you. We'll get you the songwriter <laughs> credits, and, and he'll perform. Maybe we'll, we'll go that route. I yeah. don't know. All uh, right. Yeah, JR, let us know. In the meantime, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Hopefully, uh, better Brewers things to talk about. In the meantime, think about Paul singing. We'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tailgate.